Thank you, Bernie. Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, pray, Lord, that my spoken word this morning might be faithful to your written word and point us all to your living word, who is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Luke chapter 9, verse 51. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. I wonder what you are like when you're about to set out on a journey. Maybe you're excited about where you're headed. This week, uh, Ruth and I visited my youngest daughter who works in Brussels, and uh, that was a, a great journey. We were very excited to see her. Perhaps you're anxious about the journey, about the train or the plane or whatever being cancelled, or the heavy traffic that lies ahead. Milton Jones, the uh, Christian stand-up comedian, says he hates sitting in traffic because he always gets run over. <laughs> the nine o'clock congregation got that much quicker than you did. <laughs> maybe maybe you're, you, you fret about whether you've closed all the windows or switched the central heating off. Or you wonder why someone in your family has brought so many suitcases that they would sink the Titanic. You see, a journey is a big thing, isn't it? I'm reminded of the couple who were desperate to travel abroad when this lockdown finally ended. So the husband purchased a map, a world map, and he gave his wife a dart and he said, throw this and wherever it lands, that's where I'm taking you when this pandemic ends. They ended up spending two weeks behind the fridge. <laughs> you see, that couple did not know where they were going. But Jesus did. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. In many ways, this translation in our Bibles does not do justice to the original Greek. A better translation would be this. As the time came for it to be fulfilled, that he should be taken up, Jesus steadfastly set his face towards Jerusalem. In other words, as the time came for all prophecy to be fulfilled with the raising up of the Messiah, whether it was the raising up on the cross whether it was raising up from the grave on the third day or, or raising up to heaven at the ascension, when the time came for all of this to be fulfilled according to prophecy, Jesus steadfastly and resolutely, without flinching, set his face towards Jerusalem, where he knew he would suffer and die. And we know that Jesus knew this because he told his disciples as much earlier on in Luke's Gospel, Luke 9 and verse 22. The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. You see, unlike that couple with the map and the fridge, Jesus knew where he was headed, and it was to a bitter place of suffering humiliation and pain. As the time approached 
for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. In many ways, this is one of the most poignant verses in the New Testament. It tells us that what was about to happen was part of God's plan. It had been prophesied in the Hebrew Scriptures. Isaiah chapter 50, which is the, the reading that often comes with, the Old Testament reading that often comes with this gospel reading, says this, the Lord says this, I offered my back to those who beat me, my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. I did not hide my face from mocking and spitting. No, our Messiah turned his face towards the very place where he would be mocked and spat at. Or Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 5, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And more than that, Jesus went willingly and resolutely towards this place of suffering and humiliation. Why? Because that is why he came. Mark chapter 10, verse 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I believe this verse, verse 51, my text this morning, is the turning point in Luke's gospel. Now, those of you who were here last week will remember that Phil said that there was another verse in this chapter that was the turning point, and that was Peter's recognition of Jesus as the Messiah. And in some ways, Phil's right. From Peter's point of view, that was a turning point. Though even later on in the gospel, Peter still didn't quite get who Jesus was or what he was about. But this gospel is ultimately about Jesus, not about us. And this is Jesus' turning point. Up until this moment, Jesus has been establishing his ministry and his authority, mainly through healings and through other miracles, and mostly in Galilee. But now his Galilean ministry is at an end. And Jesus starts his long journey from Galilee through Samaria, where, as we've heard, he didn't get a particularly warm reception, through Samaria, across the River Jordan, uh, into the east bank of the Jordan, and then back west and into the holy city of Jerusalem, which Jesus enters as a king ten chapters later, chapter 19. It's a journey with lots of teaching, with lots of parables. It's only in Luke that we hear the parable of the Good Samaritan in the next chapter, chapter 10. An astonishing parable when you think of the reception that Jesus and his disciples got in Samaria. But it's a journey with a clear destination, at least in earthly terms, and that destination is the cross of Calvary. So we're finishing, as Edward has said, our sermon series on foundations, building life the Jesus way. But we're finishing it not with an arrival, but with a departure. And you might think, well, that's a bit odd. Why is that? Because over the last weeks, a few eight, eight weeks, we've been exploring in Luke's gospel the building blocks of true Christian discipleship. The golden rule of doing to others as you would have done to yourself. Faith and belief. Forgiveness. Fruitfulness. Transformation by the Holy Spirit. Last week, Phil talked to us about commitment. And yet today, 
this final talk in the series, we focus on the start of a journey to a place of humiliation and suffering. What is this all about? What has this got to do with the foundations of Christian living? Well, I think this journey that Jesus sets out on has everything to do with the foundations of Christian discipleship. First of all, because Jesus invites us on this journey with him. You see, faith is a journey. We cannot take on board, we can't embrace these foundations that we've been looking at these last few weeks. Faith, forgiveness, fruitfulness, and so on. Unless we realize that we're in this for the long haul. It's only God's grace that sustains us on this journey. Martin Luther King famously said, if you can't fly, then run. If you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then crawl. But whatever you do, you have to keep moving forward. And when it comes to our faith journey with Jesus, when it comes to holding fast to our foundations, Martin Luther King is surely right. We have to keep facing forward towards our final destination as we travel with Jesus. And that's why Jesus uses such seemingly hard words to the two men who set conditions. Did you see that on on the way that they want to follow Jesus? There's the one who wants to bury his father first, verse 59, and the one who wants to say goodbye to his family in verse 61. Now, most commentators think that Jesus is using exaggeration or hyperbole here. To make his point. Because of course it's right to honour our parents, isn't it? It's right to look after our families. But note that when the man said that he needed to bury his father, it wasn't actually clear that his father was dead at that point. He probably wasn't. He might have had years to go. Maybe the man was just making an excuse not to follow Jesus. But Jesus' response to both of these men makes clear a simple fact. There is no greater priority than our journey with Jesus. Let me just say that again. There is no greater priority than our journey with Jesus. We need to face forwards with him and follow him and not look back and certainly not impose conditions like the men in our gospel reading. Some of you may have heard that famous hymn, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. It's an old one, traditional. It goes like this. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. There are two more verses. They're equally simple, but just as powerful. Though none go with me, I still will follow. No turning back. No turning back. And then finally, the world behind me, the cross before me, no turning back, no turning back. It's such a powerful hymn, but I wonder if you know the history of that song. The hymn originated in a psalm in India in the 19th century, and the lyrics are said to be the final words of a tribesman called Nok Sen, who converted to Christianity. But then he and his entire family were threatened with execution by the tribal chief unless he renounced his new faith. But Nokseng refused 
and uttered these words as he and his family were killed. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Would we have the courage and the faith to do the same? Which leads to my second point. This journey with Jesus requires commitment and concentration. We heard from Phil last week about the need for commitment. And his text was Jesus' words back in verse 23. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. You see, this journey is arduous. We can't just be hangers-on on this faith journey with Jesus. We need to be committed to the journey, to staying close to him, to not looking back, to focusing on the end destination. It may at first be a place of suffering, as it was for Jesus on Calvary, as it was for Noxeng and his family in a psalm, but ultimately it is a place of glory in heaven. Because when Jesus sets out on his journey, Luke 9, verse 51, his ultimate destination is not Jerusalem, but glory with his Father in heaven. And our ultimate destination as followers of Jesus is to be with him in that heavenly place. There may be suffering along the way. On the Christian journey, there are always trials and tribulations and sometimes suffering. But as Jesus said back in uh, uh, Luke chapter 6 and verse 23, great is your reward in heaven. And that is our wonderful hope and joy. But the journey requires concentration. It requires focus. It is so easy to get distracted, to get sidetracked, especially by the appeal and the lure of worldly things. That's why the, the writer to the Hebrews says, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. That's why Paul writes to the Philippians, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You see, a heavenly prize awaits us, but we need to stay focused on it. We need to press on, we need to keep our concentration, or we will lose our way. And we all know how easy it is to get distracted on journeys. Many years ago, when my children were young, we were driving on an Italian motorway during a family holiday. In those days, I worked for a city uh, investment bank, and I had one of those BlackBerry phones. Do you remember Blackberries? And uh, midway on this journey, it bleeped. I had a message from the office, a colleague in the office, and instead of ignoring it, which I should have done because I was driving, I tossed my BlackBerry into the back of the car to my young son, Sam, and I asked him to read the message. He wasn't too sure about that because his dad was driving the car, but I insisted, so he read it out. I thought it was urgent and it needed a reply, so I dictated a reply to Sam in the back of the car, which he dutifully typed out. I asked him to read it back to me. It was fine, so I asked him to send it. He sent it. A few more miles along the outer strata, Sam piped up sheepishly. Dad, you know that message you asked me to send? Yes, Sam. I added some kisses. <laughs> that 
colleague did look at me rather strangely when I got back to the office. You see, it was Sam's way of telling me that I should have been focusing on the journey. And we should all be avoiding the distractions and concentrating on our journey with Jesus. The great sadness of that story, as some of you know, is that my son Sam is no longer with us. He, he died of a cardiac arrest three and a half years ago, a few days short of his 28th birthday. He had been married for just three months. A terrible trauma for any family, which so easily could have derailed me in my faith journey with Jesus. Why would God permit such a thing to happen? But there will always be suffering and sadness and loss in every Christian life. But we need to keep following Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. The title of this talk that Edward gave to me is The Sacrificed Life, which leads me to my third and final and very brief point. This journey with Jesus involves sacrifice. First, of course, there is our sacrifice as we throw off our old selves and commit our new selves to following Jesus. Paul writes to the Romans, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. At the heart of our Christian discipleship is the idea of our lives offered as a living sacrifice of praise to Jesus. The missionary and cricketer Charles Studd once said this, if Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. No sacrifice can be too great. Those of us who are followers of Jesus here this morning, do we see our lives as sacrifice offerings to God? But note that the title of this final talk in this foundation series is the sacrificed life, singular. Because the true basis of our Christian discipleship, the ultimate way of living life the Jesus way, the final foundation for our house built on a rock, if you remember our, our verse for the year from Matthew 7, verse 24, the source from which all these other foundations that we have been looking at these last few weeks comes, comes from is the sacrifice of one man, Jesus, a sacrifice made for our sakes, a sacrifice which Jesus went to and embraced willingly and resolutely. Our key verse this morning, Luke 9 and verse 51. Our journey with Jesus requires commitment and concentration, as we have heard, but it also requires confidence. Confidence in the transforming power of the cross of Christ. If we have the foundation of faith, it's because of what Christ did for us on the cross. If we have the foundation of forgiveness, it is because of the forgiveness that we have from God because Christ bore the penalty for our sins. If we love our neighbor as we would love ourselves, it is only because God first loved us and redeemed us through Christ. If we can cling to hope through all that is happening in the world, and especially in Ukraine right now, it is because of the hope that we have in the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. The sacrificed life 
of Jesus must be the cornerstone upon which our lives of discipleship are built. It is the ultimate foundation. As I close, I come back to my text. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Let us give thanks that Jesus did embark on that journey, first to Calvary and ultimately to glory. Let us give thanks for the invitation that Jesus gives to us to follow him on that journey to glory. And if you're in church this morning or watching online and you have not yet accepted this free invitation, then it is not too late. Speak to Edward or me or Phil when he's back. We'd love to talk to you about this free invitation that Jesus offers. Friends, it's a journey that will not be easy or straightforward. There may even be suffering along the way. It's a journey which requires commitment and concentration, but it's a journey we can make with confidence. Confidence in the one sacrificed life of Jesus that brought us salvation, that brought us back into relationship with our Heavenly Father. As the final verse of that hymn goes, the world behind me, the cross before me, no turning back, no turning back. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for that one sacrificed life of Jesus on the cross that brings us back into relationship with you. Thank you for the invitation that Jesus gives us freely to follow him on that journey to glory. We pray, Lord, that by your Spirit you would give us the ability to concentrate, to commit, and to be confident in that sacrifice. Lord, there will be sacrifices on the way. There will be suffering on the way. But our hope is complete in that cross of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.